0: Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 2. Jeremiah chapter 2. And we'll be reading from verse 10 and ending at verse 14. Well, as you're turning to find your place, let me ask you, how many of you are from the show me state? Not literally from Missouri. But who lives and has lived by their motto? Don't tell me, show me. How many still live and base their belief on proof? Factual, concrete evidence. How many make their decisions on I need concrete proof before I act upon something that I feel that God is telling me to do? How many need proof Need a sign before they can actually follow after that which God has commanded. Or follow after that which God has made concrete and factual. Or even to believe the very words that are written in God's word. I need concrete proof that's unrefutable. I know I did at a point in time when I became a new believer and even when I was not a believer. In sports, if you told me you ran a four flat, you have to show me. If you said you ran a nine nine in the 100 meter dash, you're going to have to show me. If you said you jumped 30 30 feet in the long jump, you're going to have to show me. And when I became a Christian, I would have the same motto when it came to scriptures. You could tell me this is what the scripture means and this is what God said, but I would say you have to show me. I heard so many times and times again that the Bible has so many different interpretations and it all depends upon your personal interpretation, which is true in parts. But there are some things in the scripture that are concrete. There are some things in the scripture that do not change. There are some things about God that do not waver. The sun rises and it sets. Why? Because God has made it a perpetual decree. He does not have to show me. But there are some things in the word of God that affect they can't be changed. There are some things that God has set concrete in the word of God that cannot be changed. That will not be changed. And if you don't believe God's way. Then you cannot get God's results. So if you need the proof. And you live by that way. Well, I don't believe you have to show me. Then I'm going to give you the phrase in which God gave me. He can show you better than he can tell you. Because God is in the showing business. God is in the business of getting all the proof, all the evidence and all the facts and laying them concrete before you. And today he's going to show you like he showed me the two evils. Oh, yes, God sees our evils. The two evils in which we have committed. And maybe still do commit even if you're a born again believer. But if you're not a born again blood bought believer, you still commit them. So if you're from the show me state. God says write this title down. Go and see. Or you thought he was going to do all the work. No, you have to do some work too. He says, go and see. Let us pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for waking us up to allow us to gather around your word, to sit at your very feet of your throne. Lord, let us hear a word from on high. Let us hear what you have to say this morning at this very moment. So, Lord, I ask that you would allow me to decrease, that you may increase, that you would speak to me and you would speak through me. Holy Ghost, I ask that you would use me, that you would prompt me, that you would lead me, you will guide me and direct me. Let the words that come out of my mouth be anointed. The anointing that breaks the yoke, let it fall on the ears of people who are bound. Let it break up the follow hearts and the follow ground that is hardened through all the doctrines of this world. Let it shatter them. Let us see our error and let us correct it today in humbleness. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your blood that covers us. We thank you for your sacrifice that allows us to gain access to the Almighty, to gain access to our Father, to be able to confess our sins and get it right, knowing that God is faithful and just to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. Show us today. Guide us today. Let us go. And let us see what it is that you want us to see. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. I'll be reading out of the King James Version. Jeremiah chapter two, verse ten. For pass over the isles of Shittim, and see, and send under Kedar, and consider diligently. And see if there be such a thing. Have a nation changed their gods, which are yet no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which doeth not profit. Be astonished, O ye heavens, at this. And be horribly afraid. Be very desolate, says the Lord. For my people have committed two evils, they have forsaken me. The fountain of living waters and have hewed them own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Verse 14, is Israel a servant? Is he a homeborn slave? Why is he spoiled? Before we get into the text. I'm going to back up one verse, verse 9. Listen to what God says. Wherefore, I will yet plead with you, says the Lord. And with your children's children will I plead. So as we dive into this passage of scripture, first thing I want to put in context is that right here in this passage, God is pleading with you. God is pleading with us. God is pleading. Which means that he is bringing forth his argument. That God is discussing with you. God is trying to get you to understand something. He is not going to compromise. But he wants you to understand something. What is he wanting us to understand? Verse 10 he says. For pass over. Which means go over. To the isles of Shittim. And see and send unto Kedar and consider diligently and see if there be such a thing. Uh Oh, right here. God is telling us to go and see something. He tells us to go to two different places. He gives us two different examples. But yet they're the same results. God says, go to Shittim and see if there be such a thing. What are we looking for? God says, go over there and see if there be such a thing. Then he says, after you do that, go to Qadar and go see if there be such a thing and considering it diligently. Consider diligently means to understand wholly with seriousness. God gave us two different places and two different examples with the same result. And what is it is? What is this that he has given us? What is it that we're supposed to see? What is this we're going to examine? Verse 11. Has a nation changed their gods? Which are yet no gods. But my people. Let me say that again. But my people. Have changed their glory. For that which doeth not profit. So God told, is telling us. To go see something. To go to other places and see something. And see the results. And then. As we see the results consider them diligently. And understand wholly with seriousness. For instance, now I love football. I watch football. I find a joy in football. But when it comes to football, and when it comes to God, there is no comparison. See, God says go and see something. See, one of the things we need to go see is look at the loyalty that a person will give a football team. And does it change? No. No. The Dallas Cowboy fans are Dallas Cowboy fans, and every year they got hope that they're going to go to the Super Bowl. They got hope that they're going to make it all the way. And when the Dallas Cowboys come on, the people are screaming on the top of their lungs. They go by all the paraphernalia. They go by all the jerseys. They scream. They keep up with the Dallas Cowboys because they are Dallas Cowboy fans. And God says, go look and see. Go watch that and consider it diligently how the Dallas Cowboys get more praise than me. Go see how the Dallas Cowboys get more recognition than me. Go see how the Dallas Cowboys are put first in in priority in someone's life than me. It's not just the Dallas Cowboys. It's anything that we put before God. God says go see the, the loyalty, the devotion that a person will give to this team. Which is not a God, but they worship it, they follow it, they give their devotion to it as it is a God and it's not a God. And they won't change it, they won't let it go. They will fight people behind it, they will argue with people behind it, they will get drunk behind it, they will give their all to this football team. But when it comes to me, they change their glory, they give it up. And it's not just football. It could be any organization that we have become a part of for a long time. When I was living in my way, wayward ways in the world, I gave all I gave my all to gangbang. I gave my all to being a crip. I gave my all to ripping and running the street. I gave my all to selling drugs. I gave my all to breaking laws. I gave my all to the wrong things. But when it came to God, when I was a new believer, when it came to God, I did not give him that same effort. I did not give him that same devotion. And God says, "What? why don't you go look at that street life? Go look at the gang member and watch how he gives his devotion to a man that's been dead. Because those who started the gangs have been dead and they are faithful to that man who's been dead. But I'm alive and well. I'm still breathing. I'm still doing miracles. I'm still doing blessings. I am still waking people up. I am still giving people yet another day, another opportunity, another moment to come back home. And they don't even give me that type of devotion. They don't give me that type of honor. They don't give me that type of praise. They don't give me that type of dedication. It could be the job where people are are so wrapped up in the job and they give their 100% effort to the job. Now, God is not saying don't have a job, but God is saying that job don't go before me. But God says, go see to that person who devotes their all and pours out their all and, and is dedicated to that. Go and see how they do not change their glory. Go and see how they do not change their efforts. Do not go look. And not consider. Diligently. Consider diligently. Understand wholly with seriousness. Depict it. Look at it. Put the mirror up and let you look at yourself and say, what is it that I am giving my all to? Before I give my all to God. He says, verse eleven: Has a nation changed their gods? He is speaking of those people who have dedicated their time and efforts to their God. gave two different examples, and he said they got the same results. Go- the same results, excuse me, which are yet no gods but my people. Now God is getting specific. God is talking to those who have dared to say I am a Christian, to those who have dared say that I believe in God, to those who dare say I believe in Yahweh, Yahshua, Jehovah, to those who dare to embark upon this holy walk which the El Shaddai, the Almighty, has laid before us. He's talking to them people. He says, but my people have changed their glory. For that which do not profit. No, it baffles me how quick people will turn away from Jesus. But, you know. It doesn't surprise me because since the days of Jesus, Jesus had already told us that many will walk away from me. Jesus had already told us that many will be offended because of me paul writes to the galatians this in verse one excuse me in chapter one verse six this is what paul says i marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of christ unto another gospel paul says i am blown away that you so quickly have deserted jesus You have so quickly turned away from the teachings of Jesus. You have so quickly said, I don't believe in Jesus anymore. You have so quickly said, I don't even know if he's real or if it's true. You have so quickly removed yourself from him that has called you into the grace of Jesus unto another gospel. See you can't leave Jesus and, and not go to something. See when you leave something you got to go somewhere. We're spiritual beings. I don't care if you believe in Jesus. I don't care if you believe in God. I don't care if you believe in the devil. But if you are living on God's earth, there is something inside of you that is spiritual and it attaches to something. Some's attached to the devil and, and, and don't even know it and they say, Oh I don't believe that is atheism, but you believe you're you are living in a state of rebellion. And you let your hold to it Sadly that the devil and the demons know According to the scripture that They know that there's a God And they believe Excuse me It says they tremble Because they know There is a God There's people Who have turned away from from Jesus. And if you're one of those people who have turned away from Jesus, let me ask you something. Unto what did you turn to? Because whatever it is that you turn to, right here in verse 11, God says, because you have changed that glory, you've changed it for something that does not profit The word glory literally means weight as in something heavy. As in something heavy. What do you gain when you lift something heavy? What do you gain when you continuously lift something heavy? In other words, they have traded their strength. For something that does not profit. See, the glory of God is heavy. And you got to lift it. You got to lift the glory of God. You got to live in the glory of God. And when you live in the glory of God and you live in the will of God and you live in the presence of God, you only gain strength. You gain strength spiritually, not physically. You gain strength spiritually. But God says, my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. They have traded in their strength for something that does not profit. Another meaning for glory is honor or riches. Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse nine says, for you know, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich yet for your sakes, not mine, for your sakes. Put your name right there for your sakes, for Noah's sakes, he became poor that you realize he's saying you. That you through his poverty might be rich. How many of us have traded our glory for something that does not profit? How many have given up our strength for something that does not profit? How many has given up our riches that Christ had paid on Calvary's cross for something that does not profit? In Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10 it says the joy of the Lord is our strength. How many has traded in their joy? For something that does not profit Realize that the joy of the Lord Is our strength Joy is not an emotion Joy is a state of being Happiness comes and goes But joy is a state of being Joy is a state of being So how many of you Have traded in the joy of the Lord How many of you has given up The strength of God How many has changed their glory for that which does not profit? Now look at verse 12. God says, be astonished, O ye heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid. Be very desolate, says the Lord. Why would God tell the heavens to be terribly afraid? Why would God tell the heavens to be in awe? Why? For one, the angels know the end results when we forsake the fountain of living water. The angels know the end result When we forsake The living waters The enemy knows his end He knows it Even the demons know Their end God tells the heavens Being all of this. When demons saw Jesus, when possessed people saw Jesus, they fell on the ground and says, ah, we know who you are, Jesus, the son of the most high God is our time already come that you may come and torture us. That has the time come if the demons tremble at the name of Jesus. If the demons tremble at the presence of Jesus. If demons tremble at the sight of Jesus. At the name of Jesus. Then why do we. Have the audacity. Not to do the same. How do we trade in our glory this is why God tells the heavens to be at all this is why he tells the heavens to be horribly afraid let's see what he says in verse 13 for my people here we go again God isn't talking to everyone. God is not talking to just random people. If you dare say you believe in God, God is talking to you. If you dare believe to say there's a higher being up there, God is talking to you. If you dare to say that I'm a Christian, God is talking to you. If you dare to say that you're a Muslim and you believe that Allah is the God. God is talking to you. If you dare to say, "I believe in a comedic teaching that the son of Ra and that Ra is God," God is talking to you because all those different gods are no gods. There's only the El Shaddai, the Elohim. But God, right here, the God of the Bible, He says, "For my people." For my people have committed two evils Not one, two evils What are they? One, they have forsaken me They have forsaken me The fountain of living waters The word forsake means to desert The word forsake means to reject So God right here is saying they have rejected me. They have deserted me. The fountain of living waters. Who is the fountain of living waters? Isaiah 12, 3 says, therefore, with joy. Shall you draw waters out of the wells of salvation? According to Acts 4 12, there is only one name in where a person might be saved. And that name is Jesus. John chapter 4 verse 16, excuse me, not 16, verse 14. He says, Jesus says, the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. In the book of Revelations, in the last chapter, close to the end of, of, of the book of Revelation, it says that Jesus is. That fountain of living water So how do we forsake The fountain of living waters How do we reject And desert the fountain of living waters Easy by doing what we want to do This is how you forsake The fountain of living water By doing what you want to do See there is a God's way And then there is a man's way See man has got to confuse that Man's way is the right way Well, the enemy has dressed up man's way. Man's way is the devil's way. In this this world, there, there is only God's way or the devil's way. There is no such thing as a man's way. The man's way is the devil's way. See, and the man's way can be paved with good intentions. The only thing wrong with good intentions is it has one too many oaths, so therefore it's not God's intentions. So by doing what we want to do, we forsake the living waters. By believing that there is another way, we forsake the living waters. Why? Because God's way is the only way. God's way is the only way. What am I saying? When it comes to living for the Almighty, There is something that's called a permissible will. And a perfect will. The permissible will. Is where God allows you. To make decisions. Based upon your interpretation and understanding of him. And in that permissibleness. God allows it. Because it is not outside. Of the commandments. Of his word. Now in the perfect will of God. There are things. That God does not change. For instance. In the perfect will of God. There lies. Salvation. There's only one way. And that's in God's perfect will. Because in the perfect will, God has already preordained whoever enters upon this path, the end result will be salvation, everlasting life. There are no other ways around it. In the perfect will of God, the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. There's no other way around it. In the perfect will of God, when the sun sets, the moon rises. There is no way around it. The stars are in the sky. There is no way around it. So in the perfect will of God, there is no wiggle room. It's just that way. It's perfect. In the perfect will of God, God is in control. One thousand percent. So we cannot do what we want to do or how we think it ought to be in some ways dealing with the wills of God. Now, in your permissible will, there's things that God will allow you to do because you do not offend his commandments. How else do we forsake the fountain of living waters by putting our trust in ourselves or someone else? You cannot work for salvation. We cannot work for salvation. We cannot add to the sacrifice of Jesus. Neither can we take away from the sacrifice of Jesus. There is nothing that we can do in our own power that will be pleasing unto God. Why? Because if there was, then there would be no need for Jesus. But because we cannot and God knows that we cannot, therefore he did it for us himself. We also forsake and reject and desert the fountain of living water. By finding our refreshing in anything other than Jesus, if it's in sports, if it's in an organization, if it's in a religious building or a religious institute or a, li- a religious group, if it's in a book, if it's in the internet, if it's in pornography, if it's in alcohol, if it's in drugs, if it's anything other than Jesus that we can find our refreshing, then we have forsaking that fountains of living waters how do we do this look what god says the second evil is the first evil is we've forsaken him he says they have forsaken me the fountain of living waters and he goes on he says and they have hewed out cisterns which means they have made cisterns they have cut out cisterns they have worked to make their own cisterns and look what god says about this cistern he says it's broken cisterns they cannot hold water They cannot hold the refreshing that we need to continue in this world that is governed by spiritual principles. By doing that, God says we begin to make our own wells for where we find our joy, our peace, our righteousness, our pleasures. Like I said before, some find it in drugs, sex, money, materialistic things, the job. Some find it in organizations, some find it in sports. But look what God says about it. It's imperfect. It's incomplete. It is broken. It may fulfill you for a moment, but it's momentary, it's momentary, momentary, excuse me, momentary pleasure. It's momentary fulfillment. Why? Because without Jesus, we're imperfect. We are incomplete without Jesus. The Bible says that it's in christ jesus that we are made complete it is in christ jesus that god looks upon us and sees us as perfect it is in christ jesus that when god looks upon us he doesn't see our brokenness he doesn't see the sin that continues to plague our lives he sees the blood of his son and in the midst of the blood of his son there is a power of cleansing there is a power to make complete there is a power to make whole there is the power to forgive and therefore when he looks upon that blood because that is the predication upon forgiveness that that blood must be shed that is in his perfect will that there's no permissiveness about it. That blood must be shed for sin. Because the ultimate penalty for sin is death. So God said that in the blood, in the blood of anything, in the blood, there's life. And in the perfect life that Jesus lived here on earth and when he shed that perfect blood, there was perfect life that was able to give to all of us. That's why Jesus says, I come to give you life and life more abundant. He has come to shed his perfect blood so that we may receive a perfect life. Not physically in this world, but spiritually in this world that we may see the awesomeness of God. Therefore, without Jesus, we're incomplete. We're imperfect, but it doesn't stop there. He says it does not hold water. The decisions in which we made do not hold water. Haggai chapter one verses five through six says, "Consider your ways." God has played with us. He is pleading with you now. He says, "Consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe you, but you there is none that keeps you warm." And he that earneth wedges earn wages to put in a bag with holes. What point is it to have a bag and you put your money in a bag and it has holes in the bottom? That's the same as making a well. It is the same as making a cistern and it has cracks in it and it's broken. In other words, it won't last. Before we go trying to find something to put in its place, it's gone. Before we can add to it, it is beginning to dwindle down. For example... Those who have hewn hewn sisters that have holes in it, that are married, it goes like this. I got a wife and they got a wife and let's say her name was Jane. Jane was good for a while, but then they had to have Big Buddha Judy. They didn't go after the one, the wife that God had for them. They wanted their own. So they picked Jane because she was pretty, because she she had the image that they wanted. And Jane was good for a while. But she couldn't profit. She couldn't hold up the water. So now you got to get big booty, Judy. For example, you can start with cigarettes and cigarettes. You find your pleasure for a while and cigarettes. You find your own pleasure for a while. But then after that, the cigarettes stop giving you the pleasure and you go on to something else you then it becomes weed and then weed begins to lose its luster it begins to lose its pleasure and then it's on to other drugs and the next thing you know you're caught in a cycle that does not profit why because we have forsaken the living waters we have forsaken the perfect well and we have made for ourselves our own will of our own imagination we have made a god of our own liking we made a god that says you know what this God agrees with everything I agree with. That this God is okay with everything I do. That is false because the Almighty Living God, there is things that we just cannot do. That He is not cool with. Another example is how we how we hewn out our own cisterns and how we find our pleasures and our refreshments and something else. First, it'll start with one beer and I'm okay. I'm good with a beer. Then it turns into a case of beer because that one beer is not just doing what. You're not feeling that feeling that you had the, the the buzz that you got from one beer anymore So now you go to a case of beer And then after a while you drink a case of beer And then after the case of beer You're no longer getting that buzz And then the next thing you know it's cups of liquor And then you're adding a beer and the liquor together To get the buzz again And then after the buzz is gone And there's no longer two beers and a cup of liquor That get the job done Now it's bottles of liquors and cases of beer And then the next thing you know You're struggling with alcoholism And, and you find yourself going downhill And you're getting tore apart And we end up Becoming slaves to the things and losing our strength to those things to overcome them because we have traded in our glory, we have changed our glory for that which does not profit. It may be cool around the people that you chill with to drink all the time, to smoke all the time, to pop pills all the time, to be a promiscuous man, to cheat on your woman in the bros code. It may be cool to keep doing these things, but after a while, you will find yourself becoming a slave to those things, losing your strength to overcome them things. You know how many times I've heard people say, well, I can stop whenever I want to, but when it comes time to stop, they cannot stop. I can stop smoking if I want to. And then you take the, the drug away and they're trying to get a job or they do something. They can't stop because once they get the job, then they go back to it. They can stop temporarily, but they cannot stop permanently. Why? Because they don't have the strength to because they have traded in their glory. God says they have traded in the glory. He said, be astounded this. And then we find ourselves if we continue on down these roads and not trying to. And we don't try to do self inventory to see that we have changed in our glory, to see that we have rejected and forsaken the living waters. We find ourselves in prison, jails, rehab, out of jobs. And then we find ourselves wondering, how did I get like this? How did did I become this which I did not want to become? How did I end up at this very moment? How did my world go spiraling out of control? How did I end up here? Well, I'm here to tell you today, brothers and sisters, that we end up in those places and have ended up in those places because we have forsaken the fountain of living waters. We have forsaken Jesus himself. We have forsaken it for something that does not hold water, something that is broken, and then listen to what God says in verse 14. He asks two profound, three profound questions. One, is Israel a servant? Two, is he a home-born slave? Three, why is he spoiled? These are three questions that God has asked. Concerning Israel. Now you may say, well, Israel is a nation. The 12 tribes of Israel. But let me... Share something with you. Israel, by definition, means the prince that prevails with God. Let me say that again. The prince that prevails with God. Remember, God is talking to his people. He says, my people have done this. So when God is talking about my people, he is talking about Israel. He is talking about you. He is talking about you, the prince. Who should be prevailing over things. The prince who should be winning and conquering over things, not by himself, but with God. He is talking to the princess. He is talking to the daughter of God. He is talking to the son of God. He is talking to the children of himself. Those he labeled Israel. Because you are supposed to be prevailing. You are supposed to be overcoming things with him, not on your lonesome, not by yourself. It says with him. So he asks, are you a servant? Then he goes and says, are you a homeborn slave? Lastly, he says. Why are you spoiled? The word spoiled means to be plundered. And the word plundered means to be robbed. Why are you robbed of your peace? Why are you robbed of your joy? Why are you robbed of your strength? Why are you robbed of your direction? Why are you robbed of your refreshing? Because Jesus said the peace I give you does not come from the world. So therefore the world cannot take it away. So why does the world have your peace? The joy that I give you does not come from the world, but it's the joy that I gave you. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Why has the world got your joy? Why do you go in and out of joy? Why do you go in and out of peace? Why is your strength strong sometimes and then it's weak on the others? Why are you going in and out of these, out of these phases? Why is sometimes your own tracking and then all of a sudden you're way on the left field? God says, why are you robbed? Think about that. Why are you plundered spiritually? Because in the spirit that governs the physical, it happened first. You were robbed of your peace spiritually, first before it manifested in this physical. You are robbed of your joy before it manifested in this physical. You are robbed of your strength before it manifested in the physical. You have robbed of direction before it was manifested in the physical. You were robbed. You were spoiled. You were plundered. Means that somebody came in and shook up your world. That means somebody broke in your fortitude and took something. That means somebody has came in. Not by force could be by force, but not by force because God says my people have done this. That means that you open the door to something that come into your very spiritual shelter and destroy it right before your very eyes. And in the midst of destroying it, you begin to believe it. In the midst of taking it away, you begin to follow it. But what is it that you have let in that has changed you? What have you let in that has robbed you of your sight, your faith, your belief? What is it that came in that changed you from following after Jesus? Is it religion, education, the Internet, lies, your own wisdom, your own understanding? What is it that you've let in that has caused you to change your glory? Listen to these questions again. Is Israel a servant? Are you a servant? Are you a servant? Is he a home-born slave? Are you a slave? Are you a slave of your own making? Are you a slave to your own Understanding your own education, your own way, your own thinking, your own intellect. Are you a slave to that? Are you a slave to alcohol? Are you a slave to drugs? Are you a slave to pornography? Are you a slave to promiscuity? Are you a slave to fornication? Are you a slave? See, a slave has no choice. A slave has very small choice. A slave goes on and does those things which you are permitted, but then if he gets out of line, the quote-unquote master will beat him. A slave has a sense of freedom, but doesn't have freedom. Does it feel like every time that you begin to quit something that you've been hung up on, that you find your face that you find yourself falling face forward? That it feels like your whole foundation has been shifted, then you are a slave to that. And your master, the enemy. Your master, that addiction, is pulling your rug off from under you. They don't want you to right don't want you to gain the strength to walk away from it Now the bible says that the enemy comes after the word of god wants to see this planted, and he comes for that word because if the person would believe that word then they would be saved and there's nothing that he could do about it if that person would get that word in their heart before the devil can snatch it from them before the enemy can snatch it from them they would be saved and there's nothing he could do about it Get the word today. Get the word and hold dear to it. Plant it in your heart. He says, are you a servant or are you a slave? And if you say no to the both of them, because the answer to both of them is No. You're not a servant. You're not a slave. That is not your title. You are a child of God. That is your title. God said these are my people. So if you're God's people, you have a title. They are called his children. You are a child of God. Got to hear me. You are a child of God. According to John chapter one, verse 12, it says that God has given us the authority. God has given us the power to become the children of God to all those who believe, those who believe in Jesus Christ as the son of the living God, our Messiah, our Christ, our anointing, our atonement. If you believe that he has come to this earth, that he has died for your sins, that he was buried, and he was resurrected on the third day and now sits on the right hand of the father in heaven, making intercessions for you daily. If you believe that, then God says you have the authority, you have all right given in all of the cosmos and all of creation to call yourself a child of God. And under that title, under that umbrella, under that stamp of a child of God, guess what? All of nature knows it. The enemy knows it. How do I know this? Because in Acts, when Paul rebuked the demons out of somebody, the sons of Skeva came around and they did the same thing in the name of Jesus that Paul believes in. Come out of this person. They were speaking to a demon possessed person and the demon came forth and the person said, Paul, I know Jesus. I know you. I don't know. In the book of Job, when Satan, when he gave his account to God about what he was doing and he came forth and God said, how about my servant Job? He says, you know, you got a hedge of protection around Job. I can't get to Job. So that it lets me know something. When we do not change in the glory of our God, when we do not reject and desert the fountain of our living water, our God himself, all of evil, all of the enemy in all of the heavens, all of creation, know who you are. First John chapter one, excuse me, not chapter one. First John chapter three, verse one says, behold, what manner of love the father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. You are the children of God. You are the word sons means to build onto. does not mean a physical boy. It means to build on to. We are, the, we are the, the blocks in which God continues to build his kingdom upon. Do you not know that God has lavished you with his love and bestowed upon you the title of his child? So think about these three things. God said, are you a servant? Are you a homeborn slave? If you say no, then his last question is why are you spoiled? Why have you been robbed? Why have you been plundered? Think of those things. Think of those things because God says you're his child. You're his child. And in closing In Isaiah chapter 52, verse 3, Isaiah chapter 52, verse 3, God says this For thus says the Lord, You have sold yourselves for nothing. You have sold yourselves for nothing. But praise God, he did not stop there. And he continues and says, And you will be redeemed without money. We have sold ourselves. We have changed our glory. We have forsaken the fountain of our living water. We have cut out cisterns for ourselves to find our own pleasures and our own refreshings. We have looked inside of ourselves and thought that we got it. We got it down packed. I'm my own me. I got it. I understand it. Well, let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. We cannot continue on in this path, this journey that we call life without the Almighty. Why? Because every day we fall short of the glory of God. And God knows this. And because we fall short of that glory of God, the penalty is death. But God has not caused death to come upon you because when death has knocked on your door, he has sent somebody to open it and answer the door for you. And his name is Jesus. And it's because of his blood that covers the doorpost that the death angel must pass by. God says we have changed that in. We have rejected that. We have deserted that. And his plea today. Remember what he said in verse nine. He says, I'll plead with you. His plea today is turn around. Come back. Let him build your sister. Come back to that which he has already made for you. That is perfect. Because right here in Isaiah chapter 52 verse 3. He says you have sold yourself for nothing. You got yourself entangled in some doctrines. And some beliefs, some teachings, some organizations, some addictions. You have sold yourself to the enemy, to the things of this world, to the things of your own understanding for nothing. Because they profit you nothing. They don't do you any good, they actually tear you down. They don't bring forth life, they actually bring forth death. They don't bring forth direction, they actually bring forth confusion. So right here, God says you've done that for nothing. You sold yourself for nothing, but you will be redeemed, bought back without money. You will be bought back without your efforts. You will be bought back without anything that you could possibly do. And he's already done it. Because he sent forth his son, Jesus, while we were yet sinners. He sent forth our Lord and Savior to pay the penalty, to pay the cost. So if you are a believer and you are a believer in the almighty God, but somewhere along the way you've lost sight of the truth of the matter, the Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah, our Lord and Savior is your Lord and your Savior. God says, come back. And it's a simple thing to say, Lord, forgive me for believing in whatever it is, that it was salvation and return back to Christ. But if you're one that says, I don't know if I quite believe in Jesus anymore, then let me ask you this. What has Jesus done to offend you? What has he himself done to you that has caused you to forsake him to desert him to reject him when it was his life that lived upon this world was beaten shamed plucked out of existence crucified whipped spit upon not believed It was his life that he gave up, that you may get life. It was his riches he gave up, that you may get riches. It was his authority that he gave up, so that you may get authority. He gave up his sonship, so that you may become a child. So what is it that he's done? Ponder on that. Think about that. And if your answer is, He's done nothing to me. He's done nothing to me. Then just ask for forgiveness and turn around unto God. But if you have not received Christ as your Lord and Savior, Know that God said you will be brought back without money. Christianity is not hard. Neither is it a a book full of rules. It's just being a child to the Almighty God. It's true freedom in the resurrection of Christ. And if you struggle and you have hard times, feel free to write me, to contact me, to post questions on the podcast. And I would love to fellowship with you and help you. I will help you see the proof that you need in the scriptures. We will see what God has told us to go and see. Because I can tell you from my own experiment and from my own experience, God will show you better than He can tell you. So go and see. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for your word that you have given us from on high. I ask that you will allow it to resonate in our hearts and our minds and our souls. Let it not leave us. Let it deal with us where we are. Let it break down the barriers. Let it break down the strongholds that may have tried to build themselves up. Let this day be an anointed day. Let this word be an anointing word. Let your spirit fill this place. Let your spirit burn for you are the consuming fire. Let it burn away all the chaff. Let it burn away all the rust. Let it change us. Purify us seven times in your fire that we may come out as purified gold. Let us know that what you have called us to do. Let us be that who you have called us to be. Let us go and see. And when we go and see and we see this mirror, let us look at this mirror carefully. Not at the people behind us or the things behind us, but let us look at ourselves for who you see us to be. And let us look at ourselves for what we see ourselves to be. And let us correct our perception. Let us line up with you in your perfect will and in the permissive will that you have allowed. Let us follow in your love, the wings of your protection. Lead us, guide us, and direct us. Though we leave out of the presence of each other, we never in of your presence. Let the words of our mouth, the thoughts of our mind, and the actions of our body be pleasing and acceptable unto you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.